Welcome back to Biola Backstage. My name is Charlotte McKinley and I am your host. Here with me today is Dr. Rachel Bodell, who is one of the professors in the Kroll School of Business. She primarily teaches courses in marketing and has three degrees from three different countries on earth, the U.S., France, and England. We talk a little bit more about that in the podcast, but the primary reason why she's here today is she's here to talk about her own podcast called The Bible in a Year, The Story. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. So earlier, before we started rolling, we were talking about a little bit about how you came to Biola. So could you explain how you came, well, first how you came to the Los Angeles, Southern California area, and then how'd you come to Biola and what do you teach? <laughs> there's there's a big backstory, like most people, right? S- several chapters before you get to this chapter. Um I was introduced to Southern California in a physical first person way back as a very young adult. I, but then the backstory to that is I was a professional singer as a minor. And um, so the Lord had ultimately in my high school years, thinking about college, I was singing with a group called Continental Singers. And um, they were based, I think one of their main offices was out of the Santa Barbara area. But I went on tour with this singing group and my producers put me with a, a gentleman who went to a school called Azusa Pacific University. And we were doing duets. I believe we were doing them for Compassion Internationals, one of these um, aspects of our tour. And um, he went to Azusa and kept telling me about it. And then my dad had a work trip down here because at the time I was living in Washington State. Mm-hmm. And uh, I fell in love with the, the campus. And they were doing a lot of things with music. And while I hadn't decided whether that would be my major yet, um, I knew that music and worship, particularly Christian music, was always going to be a big part of my life. So I picked Azusa. I did my undergraduate there in international business. So I did their choirs and I did their private voice. But ultimately, junior year, time to make a decision. I felt like one of the things that was always really curious to me was um, because I had also done more commercial music and how influential the producers and the people were to making the choice about what I was going to do, how I was going to do it, the branding, the positioning, and how little choice I sometimes had as the, in air quotes, talent. So um, yeah, it really just naturally felt like business was the sibling partner to this, this thing that I also loved. So uh, after that, I went to work for uh, Bobby Brown, not the singer, the makeup company owned by Estee Lauder, did six months for her in um, Florida, six months in Southern California at the different retail outlets. It was really fun because I got to learn about branding, artistry, retail marketing, all these fun things. I also figured out that if I wanted to move up faster, I would need to go get my master's degree. So this incredible opportunity came up for me to go to um, EDEC Business School in France. Mm. And um, that was fun because I got to continue this love of fashion and beauty, things like that, which I feel like is also a sibling to the whole entertainment background. I was like, what is this powerful sub phenomenon that (laughs) influences everything? Then I also fell in love with ethics and social responsibility. And what was really cool about the European perspective, it really kind of goes back, I think, to Grecian philosophy, which is to be good requires you to not only be beautiful, but to be virtuous and have be truthful. 
and they just more naturally integrate, I, I felt, uh, ethics into their thinking, um, which made me question some of the things in America where I, I felt like ethics was like a second question. It was separate mm -hmm. and it was additive, like sprinkles. <laughs> it was not, while I love sprinkles, I was like, I think ethics is actually more integral to something and not a second question. I mean, if you even notice in like textbooks, still, still, it's like a separate chapter or, you know, it's an afterthought. Mm -hmm. And you're like, but it isn't. And I think it might contribute to some of our problems. <laughs> yeah. So after that, I, uh, I, this is going to be wild, but it was one of those moments I really felt the call of the Lord. I went for a startup uh, company in Washington uh, in health information technology. Mm. This is back when, like 2004, five you know, I remember a doctor telling me I will die or retire before I ever make the transition. It was it was the struggle. The struggle was real. Um, but it was really, really fun to be in a startup because I still didn't know. I just love learning. I mm -hmm. and, and I was always afraid to do one thing and then not be able to keep learning. In hindsight, I could put words around it. Uh, so I worked for them for about four or five years and I, and they ended up putting me back in California. I helped them with merger acquisition. So with small tech companies, you, you basically have two choices. One is position yourself to be sold with your core competency, or you have to go find funding mm. in order to really grow fast enough to be competitive. Um, so I helped them through three merger acquisitions, ultimately back to a, a a health information technology company in Koblenz, Germany. And at the same time, the dean of the business school at APU asked me if I would teach consumer behavior. And at the time, I'd only had, I had a master's degree in marketing management, certificate of marketing law, and I was like 27. And I was like, I feel, you know, young and I'm prepared. But she's like, I just want you to pray about it. It's just one night class. You can keep working. And I, she had been such an influential person in my life that I was like, you know, I'll do this. I'll do this for you, God, and for her. I'll do this. And uh, after adjunct teaching a couple of semesters, I realized this is really, this is what I want to do. This is what's next for me. So I made that transition in like 20, what is that? Nine, 10 ish. At the same time, I knew I would need to go get my doctorate. So I did a number of things in my 14 years there. I went to the University of Manchester in England to get my doctorate. They had this cool uh, hybrid program where you would go there for a week and then you'd come back and do assignments. And so it wasn't like I lived there, but I also didn't completely do it remotely. Um, and I also built study abroads for them, the business study abroads and some of the best memories I have is taking students. I hope I hope to, as the world is opened back up, uh, be a part of that here at Biola, uh, taking them to like eight, five to eight different countries and doing corporate visits. And we did ministry in the Czech Republic with Youth for Christ. It was this work hard, play hard, serve hard sort of mentality. Um, some of my friends would that I went to school with would do corporate visits with my students and um it was just a really special whole whole person uh, thing. I just think study rods are so special. Um, so yeah, lots of backstory. But then after I got my doctorate, COVID is happening. I I, I the I also got married, had two kids. I, we live in Anaheim Hills, and I was like, man, I really think I want to be closer because AP is a bit further, and uh, I had also been there so long. I was ready to see what 
what might be next because again the thing I've learned about me is when I grow up what do I really want to do I want to learn I want to learn and teach and learn and teach and learn and teach uh, and so I was ready to see if God had something next. And that's really the associate dean at Biola had asked me to consider adjunct teaching a class. In, in a way, I feel like adjunct teaching is like dating. It's like you just kind of get a feel for, am I a good fit for you? Are you a good fit for me? And I just fell in love with the people, with this place. God opened up an opportunity here and I started last, no, so not last fall because that was just a minute ago, the one before that. Yeah, I just still feel a bit surreal. This is a very special place. God's doing some really cool things here. Before we get into more of the meat of the subject when kind of the reason why you're here talking about your podcast, I wanted to go back quickly. You had completed your master's in France and done all these things all before you were 27. Yes. Was that like a whirlwind for you? Were you just like, or thinking back, like in the moment, did it not feel like that long? And then looking back, were you like, whoa, that was a lot. <laughs> what was that all like? Yes, I think maybe be, it, it was. I mean, it was some of the most amazing memories um, of my life. I think the reason it wasn't too wild for me was that my, so my dad was in the Navy. Mm. So we moved around like every three years for the first part of my life, my early childhood. And one of the places we lived was Italy in Quarto. So I, I, I learned English and Italian at the same time kind of thing. So Europe was just sort of felt a little bit like second home. Mm. Um, so that's probably why it was it was wild, but not so wild for my brain. Okay. And then your doctorate program in England, how long did that program take? Yeah, I think it's supposed to take four to five years in the part-time format. Uh, it took me longer because I took two interruptions to have two babies. Mm. <laughs> but um, yeah, the the part-time format is a little bit longer. Um, and then if you take some breaks, it, t- it takes even longer. So I completely graduated um, with my dissertation in 2019. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's really cool. I, I like how, because some people are just like most of the other professors I've talked to who have gotten their doctorates and masters, they're just like, oh, yeah, I stayed in California or yeah, I went over to to a region, but I just did the online program type of a thing. But you're out here, you went to France and England <laughs> and everything. And it just in America, I know for me, because this is really all I know, I've only been out of the country Twice technically, but very interesting to me because the universities in America are like all I know. And then I'm like, oh, wait, other countries have universities too. Other people, American students can be global students, which is brain boggling to me sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, so your podcast, The Bible in a Year, can you explain that for me and then tell me how that came to be and what led you to do it. Yes. So the Bible in a Year, the story is my passion project of 2023. It's um, the podcast itself is this hybrid 15 to 25 minutes, five days a week, where I read the actual Bible. And then I, I do five to 10 minutes of commentary. But as you're noticing, I'm not a theologian or pastor. I'm a professor of marketing, innovation and leadership here at Biola. But I really felt convicted because I think 
you know, in, in talking and learning about our amazing theologians like Dr. Carmen Imes over in, in the Talbot School of Theology. So they have incredible knowledge and insight, but a lot of times they're less comfortable being on a podcast or talking because that's not something that they're as familiar with. And then on my end, I'm not, while I, you know, love the Bible, read, learn, I'm not a theologian or pastor, but I do have a background in, in entertainment and in marketing and storytelling. And so I was like, well, one of us has got to just be audacious and go for something. And I also thought, you know, I can, I'm an academic, I can point to all my secondary sources, including a lot of the resources here at Biola that have helped me. And a lot of, a lot of people don't get to go to Bible school and it's like democratizing Bible school in a way, but pointing to all the resources that are so helpful. And um, so that's, that's really what it is. And it, it came out of why did I do it? Um, well, the Bible's hard to understand. And, you know, both my grad schools were, were, were not Christian schools. And my undergrad school, um, Azusa, it's really special because it's evangelical, but it doesn't have the same, like, biblical, disciplinary, comprehensive theological background in training. So I just felt like there were all these pieces I was still missing. Um, and I really, in my grown-up life, went for it on my own. And it was it was challenging to to figure out, to sort out, to discern. And, you know, I have two young children now. There's lots of conversations I feel like that go on where really important life conversations about how to apply the Bible to life and to our work, um, which are all good conversations. But sometimes I think we end up treating the Bible a little bit like Google, where we're just like, you know, well, what's the Bible say on this issue, which I think is good. But if you don't at the same time um, have an understanding of the unified, connected story of the Bible, I, I think it's more likely that you're going to misunderstand and misrepresent. And then I was reading statistics that like only a, a, it depends on the source, but like 11 to 24 percent have read the entire Bible. Um, I was like, this is this is not great. This is not <laughs> great. And I think it's contributing to uncharitable conversations and the inability to really have more discernment and to grow. And uh, Father Mike Schmitz, Ascension Press, uh, did this really cool podcast called Bible in a Year. And he did a similar format, but obviously it's from the Catholic perspective with the catechism and it includes the Apocrypha, all of, all of which are educational and very, very good and not, nothing negative to say about that. But I noticed all the Bible in a Year options on podcasts were either just commentary, just reading the Bible, or they were the Catholic perspective of reading the Bible with commentary. So I saw this really unique opportunity to offer this more Protestant evangelical option. And again, I knew it would be audacious and I would be leaning into a lot of support, but, um, and it's, I have to have a growth oriented mindset because there's always little things that, Oh, nope, I should have said that or done this in that way. Um, but I think that's all part of growing. Mm hmm how do you, when you make podcasts and when you're going through that, you just mentioned sometimes you're just like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> right. So one of the reasons why I like the interview style podcasts and hosting that is because I can ask questions and I don't have to come up with a script. <laughs> so I don't have to be like, ah, I do not like that. Yeah. So because yeah. it's easy to get into a perfectionist type mindset where you're right. like, I need this to be absolutely perfect right. and especially something like a commentary going walking through the Bible type process like you're doing. So how do you 
take a step back and say, okay, doesn't need to be perfect. Right. It's it's here and this is good. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, one of the first things my dad said on my first podcast, he's like, I think there was this place where you said revelations and, and it's revelation. And I'm like, well, obviously, but I mean, those are like little things. And then I think I said in one of them, I said an author's name. I didn't pronounce it right. And then I don't know if you've ever tried to read some of the names in the Bible out loud. (laughs) And then I noticed how even different scholars would say the names differently. So I'm like, how do I discern which one? (laughs) How do I remember all this? So some of that I just have to be, you know, gracious and keep, you know, growing and learning. And it's not that they're not important. It is. But I'm not going to do it perfectly the right time. And if I'm going to teach classes like innovation and teach growth versus fixed mindset and we're okay, you learn and you keep going and you try and you do better. And just like if you're learning an instrument or if you're learning a sport, there's this skill building process to it to get better and better and better. So you just have to dive in and start doing it. I also do the commentaries in a conversational style. So it's not like authoritative. And I will be pointing to sources. So I'll say like, you know, Dr. Tim Mackey on the Bible Project uh, points to or says this and Dr. Carissa Quinn on this says that. And it's more allowing my audience to have their own thoughts, like introduce really cool sources that, that have inspired me to reflect on those passages in specific ways, but not like this is what this means, you know, because I don't have that kind of authority. Um, But getting people excited and into God's word and then helping them to clarify some of the Hebrew that cool people are, or, you know, later it'll be Greek, but we're in the Old Testament right now. And then connecting it back to what, how does this, what does this do for God's rescue mission? And how does this relate to the kingdom of God? Um, Yeah, it's, it's those bigger pictures. So getting people excited about it. So in your podcast, is it just you who's the one primarily talking or do you have guests sometimes? What does that look like? Such a great question. So right now, because um, we just dived in, it's just me. I mean, I, a dream would be to have specific Old Testament scholars from the School of Talbot Theology and and New Testament ones or even just like doing setup podcasts. Um but God's been working. He's been doing some cool stuff. One of my students, so I teach, one of the classes I teach is social media, SEO, and digital strategies. Mm. And one of my students from the first run of the class in the Kroll School of Business, she is a social media intern now at TBN down here in Costa Mesa, and they just built their own podcast platform. And uh, so she's been talking about possibly inviting some of our amazing theologians and having me help to coordinate um, some key things. So it'd be this complimentary thing because they love this idea of Bible in a year and getting people into the story. Um, and so we'll we'll see what what God does. So I do hope to have other people, but for now, it's mainly just me. How did you break up the Bible in terms of figuring out what goes where, who does what, in terms of like, okay, you're going to take the month of January and do all of Genesis. And then the month of February, you're going to go through Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, like all that. How did you break up the Bible or are you still kind of still figuring that out? <laughs> That's such a good question. So um, I really liked the structure of Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a Year reading plan. He's using Jeff Caven's theologian who used to be an evangelical who is now um, a Catholic but he's done some really cool work in breaking up 
um, the the Bible into a reading plan that is like the, the early world, the patriarchs, but then like hybridizes stories from Genesis and Proverbs and Psalms in a way that like actually helps to tell the story. Mm. Um, because some passages you can pull out of the timeline and others you really can't because to tell the story. So I'm, I'm using theirs, but obviously I'm taking out the Apocrypha for mine. And then I'm also um, spending more time, for example, on Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, 3, 4. I, like they have their own days because I feel like they're so fan- foundational because mm-hmm. it's the front end of the bookend and then, you know, Revelations will be the back end. So I'll probably spend a little more time on the bookends. And then I'm using some of the Bible Project's reading plan um, as well. So it's like a hybridized, aggregated uh, reading plan. So are you going in terms of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus in that type of area? Or are you going more of a chronological type of area? Like, for instance, you take Moses' psalm that's in the book of Psalms and then put it in whenever Moses is saying, oh, this is the psalm. All, like that yes it, it yeah that, that's what i think jeff cavins has largely done is is make those connections in a way that's really cool so for example right now we're reading uh we are finishing up the the jacob rachel leah israel story right at the beginning and then also going through job um and w- what's been really interesting is to see some of the struggles of of the early patriarch and then to see uh Job and what he's going through because you know for example the theme I really feel like is it's what if and even when faith you know what if this happens and do I try to take control of the blessing do I try to do this or do I even in moments where it's what if do I trust the Lord and then even when like even when terrible things happen is my stress is my trust still going to be in the Lord um, or not so it's these connections and then there's quite a bit of Proverbs because it's one of the books of wisdom and Job's one of the other ones. So what's really interesting is you can see Job's friends who are largely quoting for him, if you will, from Proverbs, which is this more simple, basic, like if you do good things, you know, you will be blessed. And if you don't, like bad things are going to happen. And that is a part of what I would call like 1.0 wisdom, right? So like, but then Ecclesiastes is more like, well, you know, sometimes life isn't fair. And then you've got Job, which you're like, I ultimately can't completely understand the wisdom of God. And it's more about who's am I? Am I going to trust that his wisdom is the wisdom and I'm a part of his world? Or is am I trying to make him a part of mine? And if it doesn't make sense, I give up. Well, that means that you are putting yourself in the position of God all along. Super hard to say. I mean, because living that out is struggle. But yeah, so I think there's some cool connections uh, between it when it, the way that they put it together. Again, these are other scholars that are doing this in the in really cool ways, and I'm just using my voice to share it. What would you say is the part of the Bible you're most looking forward to talking about? Mm, well, Genesis one and two are like parts of my favorite. Uh, I love the Psalms. I can't wait to to do more of the Psalms. Um, oh, I love the story of of Mary. I just really love that. Uh, pretty classic. I mean, the Gospels in general. I think, you know, when I was younger, I didn't see how cool Paul and his letters were, like his emails to the church, <laughs> modernize it. But man, the stuff I've really learned and the people that have taught me on that, I'm excited to talk about that because it, it's it's the greatest story ever told and 
it's still unfolding today. Like we're a part of it. And so I just, I get excited about talking, talking about all those things. So it's on Spotify and all the major streaming platforms. Yeah, yeah. And it's started, It was it released on January 1st or when, when did that release? Yeah, I think, so I had in the first week of January, I think I had two bonuses, which was, you know, what is the Bible and how to read the Bible. And I think it was on the 7th or the Monday. We started like a f- five days. Um, yeah, so I think it was right around there. <laughs> and... By December 31st, will the whole entire Bible have been read? Yes. Yes. We would have heard the whole Bible or if they're reading it with me, read it. And I and I try to encourage my listeners, they can start whenever, pause whenever, but I encourage them to never stop, you know, reading or listening to the word of God. Because sometimes I think you're like, oh, man, I'm too far behind. But really, if it takes you two years, five years, it doesn't matter. Um, and that's why I just label them like, day one day two it's your journey it doesn't have to be like monday tuesday wednesday but i did try to put it in the commute time so the average commute time Mm -hmm. is like 25 30 minutes and so by being 15 to 25 minutes i'm hoping it helps people um that's what i've been hearing is that i can just listen to it on the way in or the way back from work and just stay on top of it um so that's really what what i was thinking what encouragement have you had so far with your podcast? Oh, man. I mean, some of my colleagues over there, Jake Aguas, has been so encouraging to me. Um, and LinkedIn direct messaging has been really fun and exciting, too. I had a student I had many years ago who was in the Ukraine and then they were telling me their story and now they're at Chapman they're trying to get their masters and they're telling me about their family but how encouraging this podcast has been for them and it's just those things those little things that um really encourage encourage me because you're a podcaster you know this Mm -hmm. takes vulnerability Mm -hmm. it takes commitment hard work I always try to keep that growth mindset also being an instructor I always encourage my students to experiment and this gives me the chance to practice what I'm preaching (laughs) and do that and I think that humility yet determination and perseverance that combination helps me to be a better teacher As we wrap up, I just want to ask, is there any encouragement you can say to specifically Biola students, but other students out there or other people out there listening to this podcast about how they can read their Bible and whether or not it's okay to take a break or like not read it for a week, but then come back to it type of a thing? Because I think often we end up in a cult, well, at least a Christian culture sometimes of people being like, okay, either you need to read your Bible every single day and then that can lead to like skimming and then not really actually reading and interpreting and applying the Bible. Or it's like, okay, well, I missed five weeks of reading the Bible and except for being at church. So I guess I'm a terrible Christian type of a thing. So what would you say to things like that? That's really great. Yeah, I think perfectionists have it the worst. (laughs) And and it becomes paralysis. I can relate to that in in many ways. And and especially because, honestly, the Bible is hard to understand. And I feel like we often just don't want to admit that. And it really is. I'm I'm a 42-year-old woman who is also has a doctorate degree. It is hard to understand. And give yourself permission to say that. Give yourself permission to struggle. And I think we live in a world now that's 
that we get more access to biblical commentaries in different formats that we've never had before. So, I mean, the Bible Project, uh, John Collins, Dr. Tim Mackey, really, they created this visual biblical commentary that is a great place to start. And they've got really short, you know, format. If you're just like, what does this passage mean? You know, and that's keeping you from wanting to keep going. Because sometimes you're like, we're, let's be honest. Sometimes you're reading, you're like, God, like this seems inconsistent with your immutable character. Like what, what's going on here? Going to something like the Bible Project is is great. Podcasts, there's several really great ones. And there's some really great commentaries. I know Dr. Common Imes is working on her own Exodus one. And there's that you can get them in audible books, you can get them, you know, digital copies. So it's getting it's getting easier and easier, but never stop. Like I said, keep going, start whenever, pause whenever, but never stop, you know, pick it up. Uh, Don't don't beat yourself up. Just keep going. Keep going. That's what's important. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Dr. Bedell. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk and tell about your passion for your 2023 Bible project. I am very intrigued and will be listening and tuning in. Thanks for having me. This has been really fun. Thank you for joining in on this episode of Biola Backstage. It was such a pleasure getting to talk to Dr. Bedell and hearing what she has for her podcast, The Bible in a Year, The Story. Join us next week as the graces come on for a very special Valentine's Day episode. Until next time, Biola.